As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Welcome back to Straight from the Source. This is Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you're not a subscriber, well, what are you waiting for? You're not going to believe the deal we have this month. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source. A buck a month for six months. That's a buck a month for six months if you go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source. I am coming to you from the press room at XL Energy Center. It's a place that I used to hang out pretty much every single day of my life, but since the Wild built the practice facility um, about a mile away, less than a mile away, um, we hang out there mostly, so I've barely been in this, uh, this press room in a long, long time, but this is the cubicle that I used to live in, and I'm here waiting because the Florida Panthers coaching staff is out on the ice having a game of shinny right now. And I was talking to Bill Zito, the GM of the Florida Panthers, before I came into the press room. And Bill said this is something that they do all the time uh, on the road during off days. And I just think it's a really cool thing, especially for a guy like Zito who's out there playing because there's so many guys pretty much fresh off the ice as coaches. Uh, the, the Florida Panthers coaching staff, besides my guest today, Andrew Burnett, uh, is Derek McKenzie, um, who is barely retired, and I think he was in goalie uniform, believe it or not, because Roberto Luongo and Rob Tallis I don't think are on the trip. Um, I could be wrong, but I thought it was McKenzie that was wearing the uh, goalie uniform, so we'll go out there and check that out and see if a former position player is playing goal. Um, Ulf Samuelson, uh, Tumor Rutu, uh, Miko Koivu's best buddy, um, you know, all those guys are out there right now uh, playing a game of shinny. So I'm doing a podcast today with Andrew Burnett. You know it's going to be a really, really fun one, a really good one. I got a lot of great questions from you all um, that I asked for Twitter, um, and then I got a lot of really cool stuff to talk to him about as well. So uh, it'll be fun to just sit down with Bruno again. I did a big feature on him right after he became the head coach of the Florida Panthers earlier this season. The one thing about the Panthers this year, they've been absolutely consistent, still atop the Eastern Conference. Um, First game in 16 days yesterday, and what do they do? They go in and win in overtime in Carolina. So, um, you know, apparently, uh, according to Zito, they were a bit rusty, which is understandable after not playing 16 games. But I assume that Friday night's game against the Minnesota Wild will be a heck of a hockey game, especially because the Wild will try to respond off another disappointing loss in Winnipeg. Super disappointing loss in Winnipeg. And, you know, the the first game a week ago, I thought that obviously it made a lot of sense that they would have struggled in that game. They were fresh off the All-Star break. They had a hard practice at 4 o'clock, a late flight up to Winnipeg, and it, it just looked uh, flat as a fa- uh, pancake. And I thought that the Winnipeg Jets did a really superb job uh, clogging up the neutral zone, making it hard for the Panthers, for the Wild to get to the front of the net. And obviously it was fight night there where uh, Brendan Dillon, after the Superman punch, challenged uh, uh 
Marcus Foligno earlier in the game, and obviously the Wild uh, got off their game and lost their composure in that game. Last night was to me really disappointing because the Wild had control after a slow start, after a you know quality end to the first period. And, you know, I didn't think that Winnipeg did nearly the good enough things that they did in the first meeting um, in Winnipeg uh, last night. Like, the last night game was there for the taking. It wasn't a game where they clogged anything up. It wasn't a game where I thought it was super hard for the Wild to get to the net. It certainly wasn't an overly physical game. So, to me, it wasn't like the typical, like, oh, man, the, the Winnipeg Jets have figured out the blueprint to beat the Wild. I thought the Wild just beat themselves last night. They were absolutely in a position to win that game, and they just started throwing pucks away. Their puck support on cycles was just abysmal, and then their play in front of their own net in their own zone was equally abysmal as well. Lots of turnovers. Um, you know, a, a game where I think after scoring seven goals against the Detroit Red, Red Wings and a really quality game against the Carolina Hurricanes, I thought the Wild just got too, too cute last night um, in that game in, in Winnipeg. Started, uh, you know, just trying to make plays out of nothing, um, make, you know, you know, not simplifying, just trying to almost, uh, you know, get style points with everything they did, especially the um, the top line and obviously the, the what you want to dub maybe the second line with Boldy, Fiala, and Goudreau. They were minus three as a line, Fiala minus four. Fiala at least was trying last night. He was creating plays left and right. He just you know was turning pucks over and obviously uh, had the one mistake on the back check after a turnover. But um, you know I thought Kaprizov and Zuccarello had a really tough night, even though they had a couple uh, points each late in the game when the game was out of hand. But the first couple periods, they were absolutely uh, non-existent. Um, other than the turnovers that were pretty glaring. Um, but how about Zuccarello and Kaprizov right now? It's just crazy um, the way that they're playing. So Zuccarello, check this out, had another two-point game last night. He's seven goals, 19 assists, and 26 points in his last 16 games, including, and this is where it's ridiculous, nine multi-point games in his last 12. Since November 18th, Kaprizov is tied for first in the National Hockey League with Sidney Crosby with 15 multi-point games. He had two assists last night. And in his last 16 games, he has 12 goals, 15 assists, and 27 points, including nine multi-point games. So Zuccarello, nine multi-point games in his last 12. Uh, Kaprizov in his last 16 games, nine multi-points as well. So uh, both them playing, uh, you know, great, great hockey right now, making it fun, and we'll see how they go up against uh, Hubido and uh, Barkov and all the Florida Panthers. Bad news. I did see those guys on the ice this morning uh, or this afternoon here at Exxonger Center. So they made the trip to Minnesota, and they're going to play against the uh, Minnesota Wild tomorrow night, we expect. So um, – Obviously, should be a real fun game, nationally televised on ESPN. Uh, Wild are 19-6-2 since November 24th. Um, Kaprizov, by the way, 46 even strength points. That's second in the league since uh, since uh, all season long, actually. Um, Talbot, first loss and five starts yesterday. Um, but again, uh, victimized a lot in front of the net. And one area where I do think that the Wild are, uh, have to be a little concerned about is how long Matt Dumb is going to be out. Now, the hope is that he's only going to be out for a couple weeks. Um, and he's definitely not coming up on this uh, upcoming trip because he actually has a charity, uh, Matt Dumba Camp, um, over at the Oval um, on Monday. So what that tells me originally, so the, originally when they announced that, obviously the Wild were on the road, and we knew that Matt Dumbo probably was not going. It was was not going to be at the uh, at the, his own camp um, because because the Wild are on this upcoming four game trip to go to uh, Canada. Uh, they go um, Edmonton. They go. Calgary, they go. Actually, let, let me let me take that back. When the Matt Dumba uh, Without Limits camp was announced, it was during the Olympic break, and so on February 21st, he was going to be available. But then, when they weren't going to move the Matt Dumba Without Hockey Without Limits camp, I just figured, well, you know, Matt's just not going to take part of it, part in it. Well, now Matt is listed on the press release as taking part in Monday's camp from 8 a.m. to 12.45 at the Oval in Roseville. This is, again, this is the Matt Dumba Hockey Without Limits camp, and this is a really cool thing. It's the second time he's done it in a row. Um, it, it's, um, you know, basically a camp that he created to bring more diversity and inclusion to the game and help provide children the opportunity to play the great sport of hockey. More than 170 youth 
hockey players from the Herb Brooks Foundation, the Hendrickson Foundation, New Directions Youth Ministry, Hockey is for Me, Minnesota Unbounded, Dynamites, Aces, and Minnesota Special and Blind Hockey. Uh, they're scheduled to pers- participate. Um, but now Dumb is going to be there, and what that tells you is that he's definitely not going to be on this upcoming four-game trip that goes Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, and Calgary. So uh, that is not good, especially after what we saw their blue line look like last night. I mean, last night, for the second game in a row, the coaching staff uh, really loaded up the top pair with Brodine and Spurgeon, and I thought really exposed the bottom two pairs, especially the Ben uh, Kulikov pair had a tough night, but Goligoski had a really, really tough night as well. So I'll be interested to see what happens against Florida. Um, but Kalen Addison's hurt right now. So, um, you know, will Jordy Ben play or will Dakota Mermis get in or will Addison have a miraculous uh, uh, uh you know, recovery, I would tend to doubt it. Um, he is clearly has a head injury down, um, sustained down in the minors after his collision with Mason Shaw, and he hasn't been practicing, so I don't know how you can play him, even if he's feeling better. So um, they're going to have to make a decision going into this Florida game. Do you play Jordy Ben again? Do you limit his ice time, or do you play Dakota Mermis? But uh, with Matt Dumba not going on this four-game trip, that's obviously a huge, huge loss for this team um, because their blue line just didn't look good um, last game. Now, we've seen this team um, over the last month play with a lot of play without a lot of players including Dumba Spurgeon and Brodine for an extended period of time and the wild uh, during that time that all those guys were out were nine three and one so they've won before without them but last night it was just very very obvious that, that Matt was not in the game and uh, that's something that's got to be concerned about um, as I mentioned a huge road trip coming up after the wild play the Florida Panthers on Friday night they go um, they play every other night they go to Edmonton and then they go all the way to Ottawa and then they pick up their schedule that would have been the post-Olympic break anyway, Toronto and Calgary. So two cross-country flights. Um, very weird still to me that the league did in fact figure out a way to just sort of reshuffle those four games. Um, but the league just decided to make the Wild travel rather than just say, hey, if the Wild are going to be in Edmonton, you might as well go to Calgary and then go to Ottawa and Toronto. Nope, the Wild are going Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, and Calgary. And maybe I'm only uh, subtly whining because I've got to sit and coach uh, on commercial aircrafts with connections on all those flights. So, um, you know, it won't be a fun trip next week with a guy with a back injury. But um, we'll see if the Florida Florida Panthers come tomorrow to play. Uh, You know, they are a team that obviously just consistently has been great all year long. Um, They are a team that has, um, you know, figured out a way to score a ton of goals, but they've gotten great goaltending this year. They've defended well, and now they play up uh, one of the top teams in the Western Conference, a team that's only lost in regulation once all season, and that was two, uh, the the, uh, Florida Panthers, by the way. So Minnesota's 14-1-2 this season against the Eastern Conference. That one game, one regulation loss was to Florida. It was a great, great hockey game down in Florida after a really slow start by by the Wild. Um, if you remember at the end of the game, the Wild scored two six on five goals. Um, but obviously that didn't get them to overtime there. And um, the Wild obviously uh, felt like they deserved better in that game. And they really started to come on in the second and third period. So we'll see if the Wild can respond after a really difficult loss in Winnipeg um, on Friday night. Uh, before we get to Andrew Burnett, which will guaranteed be a fun, fun interview, here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Well, Andrew Burnett, 753 points in 1110 games uh, throughout your career. And um, you, you know what? I just had this, just watching you sit down, I had this memory of you and I sitting down at a coffee shop in San Jose, California to do a feature on your thousand game story when I was still at the Strip. And uh, I just got a chance to pick up for the first time in my life a silver stick. It was Miko Koivu's. I cannot believe how heavy those things are. Like, like I mean, that thing is gigantically. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I it, like I never think of it. Like, where do you keep yours? That's what I want to know. Um, mine is at uh, my old neighbor in, in outside when I was living in Stillwater um, because we moved, and I don't know where it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> he has it, and. Uh, you know, we we're, it was such a quick transition, you know, when we went to Florida and we sold our house right away and I had a bunch of stuff and he kind of took it and just said, I'll, you know, I'll take care of it. So I haven't come back and got it. So he has it somewhere. And I, I asked him the other day, he said he wasn't sure. <laughs> Thinking he, that means that it was yeah. sold for pretty pretty. Well, that's what I'm worried about because he had some wine for me too. And he has his own wine. So I don't know, maybe he, uh, I don't know where it is, but, uh, but it is a, it, 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 for my career, that was one of my proudest things I own and. I guess I should take better care of it, I guess. <laughs> it is heavy. It is heavy and it's, it's awesome. Unbelievable. And I didn't know that either when I when I got my when when I was presented here in, in Minnesota with a thousand games. Um I got the stick and I couldn't I didn't know it was your your actual stick and your pattern. Yeah. And I remember looking at it and going, Oh geez, I like that curve. And I'm like, Oh, that's that's <laughs> that's uh, that's my stick in there. So it's uh yeah, it's a beautiful piece to, of a memory. You know, it takes you back to when you first started playing hockey. So it, it it's very treasured. Yep. You've been back to this building many times as an ex-player. You've been back here as an assistant coach. This is your first time as a head coach uh, Friday night. The coach of the uh, best team in the Eastern Conference, um, a team that yesterday figured out a way after 16 days to go into Carolina and score with an extra attacker, Sam Reinhardt, uh, who had the greatest line after the game, Bill Zito told me. Somebody asked him uh, if it felt like a playoff atmosphere, and he basically <laughs> said, like, well, how would I know what a playoff atmosphere is like? Because he's been in Buffalo. And then you get the uh, overtime winner by Aaron Ekblad. I mean, first of all, for you guys to win that game, you had to be a little nervous going to a game that you haven't played in 16 days. Oh, I was sleepless nights, yeah. you know, as a coach. I, I don't think the players worry. You know, I wouldn't have worried about that as a player. <laughs> But as a coach, it was, you know, I watched the Carolina-Minnesota game on uh, Saturday and kind of went to bed and had a very, you know, very uh, sleepless night, kind of fitful and, and awake. And um, you don't know what you're going to get out of these breaks. And, and uh, I was really proud of our group, how we competed. I mean, we competed hard. And we've got a rivalry with Carolina, so I knew we'd be up for it. But I didn't know. We weren't maybe our, at our sharpest, but... Um, we found a way to, to grind mm -hmm. out a point or two points. And I think today, you know, the guys felt it a little bit. So, uh, another huge testimony. Yeah. That Florida, Carolina, I mean, Florida, Tampa was always obviously the biggest rival, but, but Florida, Carolina, when I even covered them dating back to the days of Jeff O'Neill and, and then obviously Glenn Wesley and all those yeah. guys, I remember going to those games Roddy. and they, yeah, yeah, I mean, they were, yeah. they were, I mean, Paul Laws and Peter Warrell, those were physical games. They were. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, here you guys are again, the two best teams in the probably the in the two teams maybe to beat right now. In that yeah. Game. I mean, I think we were laughing at talking to some teams that come through our stretch and they play a lot of times they, they go through that southern stretch and, and, and back when I played and for different stretches in my career, that was like kind of a little vacation trip a little bit yeah. where you, you'd kind of sweep through it and. Um, Southeast division. Exactly. Exactly. You know it. You were covering the, the Panthers at different times yeah. there. And now you see these teams coming in here and, and, and we either catch them right away or we catch them at the end. And they're like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is like a death march. Yeah. It's kind of like California back when LA, Anaheim and, and San Jose were so strong. You, you just were like, what is going on? So it, uh, it's, it's kind of amazing how things have changed in Carolina. And, and Tampa, we we had the luxury of playing them in our division last year, and we played them eight times. And um, there's a little bit of a rivalry. I think that's how you, you build rivalries, and a little bit of measuring stick for our group, and and to, to see how we match up against them. So they're fun games. Yeah. It was a very competitive game last night, um, and and fun to be a part of. Yeah, those uh, Florida Tampa games back when I covered the Panthers, it was crazy. Was I mean, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, again, you had. Guys like Sandy McCarthy and, and yeah. Darcy Tucker on Tampa and Paul Laws, Peter Worrell. It was just that's right. Yeah, that's that It was group. crazy. Yeah. We, they were some exhibition games. They played one exhibition game up in Jacksonville that honestly was one of the dirtiest games I think I've ever covered. And I used to cover the Sunshine Hockey League, which yeah. was four teams. 
Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was, it Paul was is about as tough as a yeah, player that I've yep. ever, I've ever been around and, and seen. I remember he was in junior hockey. I think I was just getting out. He might've been an overage and he used to like shave his visor down. Yeah. He, he, he like where if you punt and he was the tough, he might be one of the toughest pound perfect, yep. the pound guys I've ever when, been around. When you leave here, Google him and look at his penalty minutes when he played in like Knoxville and, and, uh, I mean, just in the NHL, I, I still remember him. I was telling somebody this the other day. Um, I still remember him at Miami Arena. He fought Eric Belanger, one-punched. Guy was out. You could look this up on YouTube. Guy was out before he hit the ice with, yeah. against the Islanders. Uh, Miami, oh, you're talking about – I don't know if it's Eric. It's uh, uh, yeah, uh, Ken, Ken, Ken Belanger. Yep, he's Kenny from Sault Ste. Marie. He's yeah. in Northern Ontario. Eric Belanger played here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Eric would last yeah, no, it. Yeah, no, Eric was long. a grumpy guy, though. He was grumpy, so he could have got into one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know Miami Arena pretty well, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> you I scored do. your first NHL goal in that building yeah. against the uh, Florida Panthers. Yeah. Um, so I just took a video and put it on Twitter of you guys playing shinny. You, Bill Zito, your coaching staff, Derek McKenzie in goal. And I got a tweet back from a guy named Nicholas Backstrom that said, why did you have to film Bruno in slow motion? Because <laughs> that slide was flying out there. His deceptive speed is actually, it looks like I'm really gone. That's actually slower than it looks. Yeah. So it's very deceptive. But Bill said that you do that all the time on the road? Yeah, we do. We try to do it. I mean, we... And Bill is a little bit of the ring, you know, he loves to play shinny and he loves to get uh -huh. his stuff out there. So he's kind of the, the ringleader, but we all love it. Uh, and Derek likes going to net. His daughter's a young goaltender coming up and I think he likes to put his pads on and, and kind of show off. So um, it, we have a fun group and, and I think the camaraderie of, of you know, we had, we had our, our video coaches out there, assistant coaches, we had one, our athletic trainer to get us all out there. And, and when we get on the road, it, it kind of bonds us a little bit. So yeah. It's course. fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, and you, I mean, you still could play, you may, you, you set up the game winning goal to, I think your assistant video coach. I looked him up. Yeah. Yeah. He looks yeah. like Andy Ness, that guy. <laughs> he does. Maybe not as talented yeah. as Andy, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah, his dad actually played in the CFL. Okay. Played University of Pittsburgh, a quarterback at Johnny Kajemi. And, and uh, yeah, he's he, a wonderful part of our staff. But, yeah, it was fun to play. And, like I said, it's fun to get guy. The best part of hockey is playing shinny. And, yeah. And, and actually sitting down and laughing about it after. And, yeah. We did that here a lot with the yeah. Wild over the years, and, and we used to have alumni skates here, and you get Walsey running around, and uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. That's the part you miss the most, I think, when you when you stop playing, um, and that's why those alumni skates were so special for me, is that you got to get together with the guys, and regardless, we're getting older, we're getting slower, but the laughs are still there, uh, the camaraderie is still there, and the love of the game every, yeah. is just it's priceless. Yep, no doubt about it. And Derek, Derek uh, obviously former Panthers captain. Yeah. I think he was in uh, either vice versa Curtis Foster's wedding, or, or he was. Yeah. yeah, him and Fozzie are, are really yeah. tight. Um, yeah, Derek had a really good career and ended up being the captain of the Panthers. Yeah. And he's from my hometown, yeah. so he's got a cottage maybe a couple miles from me. So we've nice. we've uh, both Atlanta Thrashers at, at a certain point. Uh, he was drafted when I was there, so it was, it's uh, it's fun to see his career and. and yeah. Grow and then we're still together yeah. after all these years. What a talent you guys! Isn't Yo basically near you guys and yeah, Felinos and yeah, yeah. And the Felinos, yeah, Yozy, uh, Bertuzzi's. You know, he's, Tyler's having a great yeah. year in Detroit, um, and then obviously the Felinos are they're you know yeah. Marcus is having an. Ex <laughs> I'm so happy for him. Yeah, he's one of my favorite people in the game, and and to see how he's yeah. been able to kind of find himself, and it, yeah. it, it he's such a valuable piece to your team and every time i see him I, I miss being around him and you know wish he was on my team yeah i'll tell you what uh he you mentioned darby he got bag skated a couple last couple of days by darby and he basically said that uh he's never gonna get suspended again just because <laughs> he doesn't want to deal with darby in those skates so i don't blame yeah. him don't um blame this florida him. team um you know it just it, like i remember doing that feature on you soon after you got the job and and it just feels, I'm sure it's different for you because you deal with the day-to-day -day adversity and all that stuff. But from afar, the consistency has has been remarkable. I mean, it, it's to me like, you know, you expect at some point, like maybe there'd be a little dip and there really hasn't. You guys, uh, great goaltending, great defense. you scoring, I mean, the Wild and, and, and Florida and Colorado right near the top of the league and goals. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've, I'd say from last year through this year, mm -hmm. we've, we've kind of built this kind of chemistry. And I think the, 
for this group here, especially, and you're all, and, and to, to before that, knock on wood, because you're always worried about what's coming. But I think the competitive nature of our group, and we were talking a little bit earlier about the wild and how much they like each other. I think our group really likes each other. It's mm -hmm. evident the way they play. It's very similar to the wild and, and how they stick together and how they compete every night. I mean, co our competition level is, a, is an all time yeah. high for me of all the groups I've been around. I, I would say that old three team, uh, here in Minnesota had that. And, and that, and I played on some teams numerically that might've had that, but the, the day to day compete, like we do drills and practice, we do battle stuff and they just compete right. and, and so fun to watch. I wish I was part of, it. I wish I was still playing with that group. But to watch and coach it, it's a, it's a really good group to be around, and and it's a tribute to them. And and I think over for us, it was a really good playing. We talked a little bit earlier in the show talking about Carolina. We played them eight times. We played Tampa uh, sixteen times, maybe last year fourteen times, and and they taught us uh, the level that we had to be at mm -hmm. if we wanted to be good in this league, and really good. And I think our guys realized. We're not that far off. Yeah. And if we play at a certain level and if we compete as hard as they do, we have a chance. And I think they've taken that as a group internally and they've grown exponentially mm -hmm. since when I first got here. Right. Um, speaking of which, I was watching one of your games about three or four weeks ago. It was against Columbus. I think it was Columbus. And I was, one, struck by how Liney didn't work. <laughs> but I could not believe Huberto. I mean, honestly, I, I've watched Huberto a long time. His work ethic, every shift right now is like, I mean, honestly, it reminds me of wild players because the, this wild team, you know, their work ethic is, sec is, is just remarkable this season. What is it about Huberto that has allowed him to really take his game to this next level where a lot of people are talking about him as maybe a heart candidate? Well, yeah, exactly. I, I think it's just his – when I first got here three years ago in, in Florida, um, I think they were a group that um, they were talented. They could go and score goals on you. They had a really good power play. Um but they didn't compete at a high level, and that's credit to, to Joel and, and the culture he brought. And it was hard at the start. It took a little while, but I think he bought in, and he saw, again, I think Tampa was a really good measuring stick. And I remember talking to him after the playoffs, and I remember him saying, you know what, I, I, you know, I wasn't sure I could do it, mm -hmm. but now I know what it takes to do it. Yep. And I have it in me because he was so good in the playoffs, so good last year. Mm -hmm. And I think he, he took that and ran. And uh, I think his confidence is at a high all-time high. I think he figured out he had to put a little bit more time in the gym. I think he had to take care of his body a little bit better. I think he had to find a little different level of compete, which was always there. I mean, he won a Memorial Cup in junior, but I think he it, it, it pushed him to find another level. And he's uh, the most underrated player in the league. Um, and you can't take the puck off him. Mm -hmm. When he gets in those modes and his creativity and his vision – is the best that I've ever been around or seen. Right. Um, Bob, another one that just totally re, re, reinvigorated his career. I mean, this year it appears from the, uh, from the outside, uh, what has changed with him? Well, I think it was just adapting, you know, I think he, he came from Columbus and had all the success in all those great years and they play a different style and, and we play a little bit, um, maybe higher octane. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not blocking shots like they did in Columbus. We don't, maybe defend quite as well where we give the other outside we're a little bit more high pace in your face kind of team and we give up odd man rushes and we give up breakaways and and i think early on he was and i'm just speaking from what i think i'm not sure what he sees exactly but i think we hung him out to dry a little bit um, we play a different system a little bit than he's used to and then he kind of felt he had to live up to his contract and live up to mm -hmm. To, to the to the hype that he how good he is and um, I think he's come to the realization that we're that we're a different team mm -hmm. he's, he's he's and give him a lot of credit for he's changed his game a little bit he's a little bit he's okay giving up a few more goals but he makes these big saves like last night yeah. he made two unbelievable saves that we lose two nothing you know if he or, or three one if he doesn't make those saves so it's a different style of hockey for him it's not quite what he's used to. Um, but he's been able to adapt. He's been able to um, feel comfortable in the way we play. And uh, he's, he's a very competitive gamer. And maybe the stats weren't – and they're unbelievable stats. And he could have a 940, 950 if we play tighter defense. Right. But he makes the big saves when he has to. 
and uh, is a huge reason why we're where we're at. If you if you knew a sports writer that happened to have both Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight on his team, who would you start tomorrow? If I happen to know, <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, a different way that you've ever been asked to yeah, start exactly. a goalie? Yeah, I don't think I heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, Bobrovsky. Okay, there yeah. you go. Um, I won't tweet it until tomorrow. I no, promise. no, yeah. Um, the um, how have you like? I remember again talking to you back when we before the Wild played in in uh, Florida, and you said that when you were promoted from assistant coach to head coach, you can't fool people. You can't just change your dynamic. And I was talking to one of your players that I've never met before, um, and I don't want to say who it was because we were just it was sort of an off the record uh, chat. But he was saying that you've that you are an absolute players coach that you have not changed at all that. You're the same jovial guy, the big laugh, all that stuff. I mean, is that you in the locker room, or do you lose your cool at times uh, as a head coach? I think I am who I am. Yeah. You know, and I think players see it if you're not authentic and you're not who, who you are. And, and and I haven't changed. And uh-huh. I've never changed. Um, am I highly competitive, and do I get upset? Yeah, absolutely. They know that. I, I got yeah. like that as an assistant. But I think they, you know, I feel I've – I'm the same guy. And mm-hmm. if you're not, I've been around the guys that aren't and they see through it. So it's, you know, it, it, I am, I'm not changing. So, yeah. Got a uh, question from a Ray Ferraro wants okay. to know um, about uh, the time that Jeff Odgers might've ran over your car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had so many funny stories in Atlanta. We had every day was a story. Yeah. J- Aji, uh, who's <laughs> the all time grand former Minnesota wild. I don't know if he, he was here for a bit. I don't know if he made games, but he, he was a, definitely a, a, a expansion pick. Um, one of the best guys I've ever been around hockey. And, and uh, yeah, he ran over my car. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were in Atlanta. And our plane always had issues, so we had kind of – we got delayed, and we went for lunch, and we're heading back from lunch. We're all in a rush because they, they – you know, I don't even think we had phones then. They probably called the restaurant and said, you know what, <laughs> the plane's ready. So we rushed back, and I – Lease this little like kind of a sports car, which is so unlike me. But I, the deal, the price was right, so I I, I leased it, <laughs> and it was tiny. And Aji had this big F like nine fifty, felt like with a huge trailer hitch because he had an RV that he used to tow around. And um, we're zigzagging through the parking lot, and um, and and Aji, you know, years and years of, of battling and and uh, fighting, and he had an awful neck, so he couldn't really turn around. So he, everything was kind of like like just very 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 limited mobility and i could see i was behind him and then i had ray Farrow behind me and we had about four cars behind me and we were kind of an s kind of parking lot and and aji decided he was halfway up the one s and he looked back and he he saw a parking spot be- behind him and i was following he probably couldn't see me my car was so low <laughs> and he slams the brakes so i slammed the brakes kind of a little bit behind him and and razors behind me and, and we got like nine guys behind us and aji decides that he's gonna you know he's gonna get this parking spot and I could see, he can't see uh, behind me. And I like, uh, and I look back and there's Razor and Razor's like, well, you know, what, what the heck's going on? You know, and Aji puts in reverse and I'm just standing there in my little <laughs> crappy sports car. And he rides right up the roof <laughs> or the, the hood of the car. With you in it. With me and Danny oh, Lambert in it. Crap. And uh, he goes right up the, the hood, rips the hood. And, and the funny part is he, he almost, our, my uh, windshield cracked, the airbag went out, and he didn't even notice it, and, the, and the, he thought it was a speed bump. So then he he let it fall back down, and he floored it again, and the windshield cracked. And, <laughs> oh, my God. And, and I was just like, what are, what the, is going on? So we get, The airbag went off? Yeah. Holy <laughs> Oh, yeah, everything went off. It was and Aji gets out of his car and nonchalant, and he's like, what were you doing back here? <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, I was in Razor, you know, Ray's very hot tempered and he's looking at me. And <laughs> so we, we were, we were seatmates on the plane and we get back and I was like, I can't believe Aji ran over my car. <laughs> <laughs> so we get back from the, I think we went to Boston, a road trip, come back. And I drove from the airport for 40 minutes with, um, back then, obviously 
not knowing anything, uh, with my head out the window, going about 30 <laughs> miles an hour all the way home for 45 minutes. Oh my God. Car. Yeah. That so, is unreal. Yeah. Oh man. What a tough team. I mean, Odgers, Danny Lambert. I mean, this yeah. Is yeah. We were, we had Kelly Buckberger. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were, uh, yeah, we were gamers. letting pims and minuses. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, we could pick up minuses. Yeah. The best of them. Yeah. I, uh, I still remember going to those games. That, that was a weird arena, Phillips arena with the, all the suites on one side. Yeah. And, uh, I think they've totally renovated that place. Uh, you know, it's pretty, yeah, it's too bad. I mean, we had, uh, the first couple of years there that I was there, it was a sold out building, yep. it was a fun place to play. Yeah. Um, great uniforms. Great. Yeah. Fun. Um, good city. We just, you know, we, we had the second year we were a good team or we kind of a playoff team. And then we were, we were very thin and we all, uh, myself, Ray, and then done all of that. We all kind of got banged up in January mm -hmm. and we, uh, we just kind of tailed. Yeah. Like, and then they sold the farm and, and then they never really got that momentum back from the first couple of years. And, and it's too bad because it was, I think it, it, it would work there. Sometimes I worry about yeah. the downtown arena, but we just didn't, you know, capture so hard to capture that audience in Atlanta, even the baseball teams, yeah. et cetera. But we had them and we let them go. Yeah. Um, I love that story that Ray tells about, uh, was it Hartsburg was your coach that was no, not Kurt Fraser. Uh, yeah. Kurt yeah. Kurt Fraser was your coach yeah. where, yeah. where he would constantly pull the goal and you guys yeah. are like, my, you're like <laughs> dash three, yeah. I think in Phoenix or something. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. and you're out there and didn't, Ray, didn't he tell you to throw the puck into the corner? Oh, I told him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We were, we were even, and, and we actually played a good game Yeah, and, and you know, we're, we're picking up <laughs> dashes all the time and, um, they scored two empty netters. So it's four, nothing at this point. And, uh, we call a timeout with like 25 seconds left <laughs> and, uh, oh we designed God. this play and we're, you know, like I said, we're picking up minuses like crazy. So we're minus two and we played a good game. So that means we had a lot of games that we were worse than minus two. And, uh, we drop a play. And we, we, we had called up a, a Russian defenseman, didn't really understand English. So we knew we were, <laughs> this play wasn't going to work. And I told Razor, I said, just push the puck to, to, to me. I'm just going to fall on it and I'll, I'll eat the puck if I have to. We do not need another minus. <laughs> sure enough, Ray wins a draw. We, uh, the Russian defenseman wasn't sure what to do because he didn't understand. He shoots in the shin pads. It goes Zor Dash Street. So we go home for a six-hour flight back to Atlanta. Oh, my goodness. That's unreal. Um, Brent Fair loves to joke that I used to honestly, like if I we, – we were taking a road trip from Phoenix to Dallas and I connected in Atlanta just for the points. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know that. Uh, for sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Brent, would, Brent would know too. Yeah. Yeah. I got a uh, question from a Darby Henderson here. Let me okay. find it. Uh, this is a great one too that I've never heard. That's why I like uh, this question. So ask him about the time that we did a 100-mile bike from his house to our in-law's cabin in Wisconsin – it was supposed to be 50 miles, but he became 100 after he got us lost. Yeah, I got him lost. Yeah. No, the other way. So we, <laughs> I was still playing. I think Darby just retired. Yeah. Yeah. He got us lost. And we met at our, my house and we went, I don't know, we probably went 50 miles into the wind and it was a little bit of a wind. So we really, you know, kind of go on and we kind of get close to Bud and Sharon's place was Darby's in-laws. Yeah, right over in Osceola kind of thing in the Wisconsin. And, uh, we take a wrong turn and I, and, and I didn't know where I, I'd, I've never been up there and he's acting like he knew. So we took a 50 mile wrong turn. We ended up all over the place and, and, uh, we found a little, uh, uh, little pub and had a burger and regrouped. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was one of his excursions. Like if you've been anywhere Derby, you can get lost at any time. <laughs> No question. Um, he he also uh, told me a story about, um, you know, you going up to his fishing cabin with Dwayne Rolison and Sergey Joltok. And he said yeah. that it was one of the last times he ever saw Sergey. And I got a lot of wild fans that did ask, to, you know, to ask you about Sergey and what type of guy he was, some stories about him. Well, Sergey was uh, um, a very cerebral. Um, and I didn't know him, which yeah, really makes no. me sad that I never got to Yeah, him. no, he was yeah. a unique, unique guy. Um, very cerebral, very, uh, a deep thinker, mm -hmm. um, very smart player, um, and loved life. And he loved mm -hmm. all the little things of, of, of life. And, and really, um, we, we had really good chemistry on the ice together. He was, um, like I said, such a smart, nifty, a little bit like Spinajad, I'd say like maybe like mm -hmm. that kind of, he was very slippery, um. But, uh, yeah, the, the last time that uh, I saw Sergey, we were up at Darby's 
uh, cabin with uh, with Roly and and uh, and he loved fishing. Uh, Zoe loved it, and we kind of fished, and then we played basketball. He's such a competitive. He's so cerebral, so quiet, but he's such a competitive guy. Mm-hmm. And we played basketball in, on Darby's court for. And, and, and anybody that knows Dwayne Rolson, he's like ultra, super competitive. So it was just a <laughs> grudge match that went on for I don't even know how long. We were, you know, we had saunas and we just kept playing. Roly wouldn't let it go and, and Zoe got, you know, Roly wouldn't let us like win. So we had to keep beating him and beating him. We beat him to a pulp by the end of the, he had a buddy there too. So me and Zoe, and Zoe was such a smart player. We had to give and go down. So uh-huh. we, we played forever. But yeah, that was the... Um, the last time I seen him and, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of wonderful memories, uh, yeah. on and off the ice. I was roommate for a while with him. Um, really unique. Um, the way he saw the world, the way he saw things was, uh, really, like I said, he, he was such yep. a cerebral character. Yeah. Speaking of cerebral, um, a lot of wild fans asked if you can bring them through the 2003 epic goal. And uh, you've been asked about it a thousand times, but like, um, you, you know, can, can like when can you see the play develop? Like, I, I know I watch it all the time, but like, you know, like uh, bring everybody through that play. Yeah, it it uh, yeah. There, there's so many layers to it um, with that group and in that time, but uh, but for the play, like we and I was playing with Zoll, and uh, yeah, Jock was. You know, Zoe and I would play together usually when we're down or we needed a goal, and then he'd separate us and he put us back together. So we had a little bit of a really good chemistry to, with them. And I remember we spent some time in Arizona. I think we were with Jimmy Dowd on that shift too. So he put me, Jimmy, and Zoe because he trusted Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Jacques never trusted me, and uh, <laughs> you know, Zoe was kind of the wild card. You could give offense, but Jacques trusted him enough defensively. So we were in our zone for a little bit, and and uh, and my whole thing that I would say all the time was like, I just need, I just need a little space. If I have some time and some space, I think I could do something. And that was mm-hmm. kind of how I thought all the time in that series. And, um, we were, we spent some time in the defensive zone. So we were kind of running around a little bit and it was late in our shift and we were going in and, and it was like the longer change. So it would be like a second period change. And, uh, we were going into the zone and, and, Conventional wisdom would have been an overtime game, and we dump should be happy. Cha- dump it and chase, and 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 uh, change, change basically. And Zoe had it, and I, and I remember thinking, like, you know, Zoe, don't dump it. Like, let's. But you know, I mean, the right play would have been dumping. Jockham's probably screaming at us to dump it, and Zoe decided not to dump it. I'm like, oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. And he drew guys to him. Um, and, you know, I always laugh. It, it felt slow motion. But when I watched the replay, probably, you know, I was moving slow motion. Um, <laughs> but it just felt really slowed down. And he drew some guys to him. And I had some time and some space. And I knew going against the greatest goalie of all time that um, and I don't have a great shot. So I wasn't going to beat him from the outside. Um, and I knew I had to do something, at least try to sell it a little bit. And like I said, I, I had a little time and space and was able to make a play. Yeah. Do you ever watch it? Like, you know, I no. always, you know, never like no. Jacques. I mean, Jacques looked like a proud father on the bench. Yeah. You know, he, and he should have been. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that whole team was, was Jacques' team. Yeah. And, uh, he groomed us and, and, and molded us into being that kind of team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't watch it. Yeah. Steve Levy, great call. Um, and I think Pang, I think Darren Pang was the color analyst. He was, and I yeah. just saw Pang. It was yeah. his birthday. His birthday today. Yeah, and yeah. I saw him in Carolina, and we, yeah. had, a, we had some good light. He's actually talking about that goal yeah. uh, the other night. Yeah. Um, two couple more questions, and I'll let yeah. you get to your uh, going to see Darby tonight. Um, I, by the way, I didn't know your nephew plays college baseball here. So. Yeah, he plays at St. Cloud State. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. You should take him to Lake Elmo in tonight. Yeah, I would, <laughs> except he's coming the other way. So, so I think it's a little further out. Yeah, Lake Hummel yeah, the yeah. best. A um, couple more. Um, Patrick Waugh. I mean, is there, is there, I mean, uh, people always ask in the funniest way on Twitter, like, ask him what, it, what it's like to put the greatest goalie ever into retirement. I mean, you know, is that, is there a source of pride there? And have you ever talked to him since? I've never talked to him. I'm um, mm-hmm. obviously coached against him. Um, uh, is there a sense of pride? Not really. Um, uh uh-huh. He is the greatest goalie that I've that I've played against. I mean, Hasek was it was really good too, uh, but he was the best goalie that I've faced. I think I think just the way he saw the game. Marty Berdur is really good too. Mm-hmm. But his uh, approach to how he saw the game, like he was always a step ahead of you. 
And that's why I would always say, you know, in the game seven, you had to do something a little bit because mm-hmm. he's, he was so smart. Yeah. Um, but no, um, not at all. It was more the moment. It's a cool little, you know, um, stat line at the bottom, but. Yeah, I did get a ton of Twitter questions, but I, I don't want to throw them all at you. But a, one really good one from Eric said, what did you learn from Jacques that you've maybe applied to your coaching career? Um, well, I think Jacques, what I apply is what he's taught me every day um, about without the puck, without, with defensive positioning, um, with um, being able to see things as they happen. I mean, Jacques was the best at, at being able to make adjustments, seeing the game live, not worrying about going back to video. Um, and always, Jacques was always aware, and it probably was the greatest gift is he can see a storm coming when nobody else can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he was well aware. Now, did it get old and tiring as a player? Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to be mindful of that, but he taught me so much the defensive part of the game. Um, and, I could still hear his voice when, when I'm watching video or watching a game. And, yeah. and I, and I was a little bit later, like, you know, late twenties of my career. And I didn't know any idea really about the defensive side. I was always an offensive guy and, um, I was a sponge, you know, I didn't always love, you know, playing for him, but I was a sponge when he spoke about the game. Yeah. It's funny that you said he's, he always saw the storm coming because I always found it fascinating that if you guys were on a winning streak, if at the end of that winning streak, you guys weren't playing well, he would he would let us like it would sometimes feel like a loss. Oh yeah, I mean it, it, the way he would talk in the post game and stuff. I mean, and he was way harder yeah. always with us on a loss, you know, on a win when we're winning and not playing yeah. well, and on a loss he was always building you back. Up. Yeah, it was and pretty. He, and he had that. Unique balance yeah. of keeping everybody in the flow. Yeah, I'm glad I got to cover him. Yeah. Um, Miko Koivu, uh, we're about two, three weeks away from his number going up to the ceiling here at Excel Energy Center. Um, you, you were his line mate. Um, you, you know, one, I mean, do, do, do you feel it's deserved that uh, he's the first? And um, and how cool do you think it is? It feels like he's content now. Like whenever I see him, he's smiling. It feels like he's, <laughs> it feels like he's, really embraced this time of, of being with this organization in this new role and, 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 you know, and what comes with it, seeing him around players now, it seems like he's jovial and all that. Well, he was such a, uh, yeah, for sure. And, and he, 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 he was so serious about his job. Mm-hmm. He was very proud of what he did. And it was probably hard for him to enjoy it all the time because he was yep. so, he was groomed under jock and he was, he was always, again, probably looking at the storm and, you know, he, he didn't probably enjoy it. He probably asked him that as much as he, he probably would have, but he, he, he is very deserving. He's been the face of the franchise through all different times, all different, mm-hmm. you know, sort of owners, um, to play the longevity of his career in one place. I know he, he finished a little bit in Columbus, but to do it all here is, is really special. Um, and such a great leader. I, we talked about it, I think maybe his thousand game a little bit that yeah. he kind of is the culture of the Minnesota wild. If, if you're going to pick mm-hmm. a player, you know, Wes Walls falls in that category mm-hmm. too. And he's another guy that really deserves a lot of credit for, for where this organization's been and has been. And he's a guy that you could almost, you know, say, you know, he could be yeah. up in the rafters too for what he's done. Um, but, but Miko deserves it. He, he, when you think of the Minnesota wild and, and you can talk around guys are all around the league, all the different coaches, all the different players, we all think of Miko. Yeah. And that's a hard place to play. Yeah. And our team will find it tomorrow night. I found it playing against Miko in here or, or even before Miko come came in, it's a hard place. It's, Minnesota's yeah. gonna make you earn every little inch of ice you're gonna get. And Miko's kind of the poster yeah. for that. Last two questions. This yeah. Minnesota team, um, you know, you pre-scouted them now. You played them once. It was a great game. You guys almost ran them out of the building in the first period. And then the Wilds seemed to adjust and played a really quality game in the last two periods. But you guys won. In fact, the Wild are 14-1-2 against the East. Their only regulation loss to Florida. Um, what do you think of this team? I mean, they are, they've been downright not only winning, but entertaining hockey this year. Yeah, I mean they got a. You could tell we were talking earlier that they really enjoy playing with each other, and uh, they're a young team that that has a really good combination of skill, size. They got they got mm-hmm. everything. They got goaltending. They got some great defensemen. Um, but what I notice about them, a little bit like our group, but very similar actually. Again, they love playing for each other, and but they compete. Mm-hmm. And you know, I watch them enough. Um, you know, I always keep my eye on on them, and they're never out of a game. They don't give you anything for free, 
and they just keep coming. Yeah. They come, you know, in, in sort of ways yeah. and, and, uh, and they got a really, like I said, a really good combination of all kinds of yeah. different pieces. Yeah, I always tell people that I would give anything to what to let to to see Minnesota Wild fans have a Stanley Cup run because this market deserves it. Another market that does deserve it is Florida, and I know that I'm biased, and I my heart is still largely down there. But that is that used to be a passionate, passionate fan base, and there's still a ton of hockey fans down there. Do you think that your heart would be able to stomach a Minnesota, like a Minnesota, Florida no, Stanley Cup no. final? Like, yeah, that would be one complete. No, I think I'd be happy. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, and I think Minnesota for sure deserves it. I wish I was part of it when I was upstairs and coaching through her that we could have had one yeah. more kind of little bit of a run. And But I wasn't. But yeah, you, you, you. I guess I would love to see it because it means we're both there. Yeah, but yeah. It's uh, it'd be hard to stomach. Yeah, I mean, I I just think it would be awesome if Florida got there. I just I think yeah. you guys deserve. You guys are a great team. I think it'd be awesome to see uh, you follow that step of Craig Berube too and, and get that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'd be yeah. kind of neat. Um, My that, old line mate. Yeah, yeah, Chief. Chief yep, yeah, in Washington. Yeah. Yep, he Washington, was in that yeah. game when you had the uh, That's right. the, the first right. goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. By the way, next time you talk to George Richards on a Zoom or in person, ask him about the time in 1993 when he poured. He spilled an entire pitcher of cherry wheat beer on me at the Gainesville <laughs> Ale House. You know those Ale Houses down in Florida? There's yeah. Davy, there's Boca yeah, yeah, Ale House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gainesville Ale House, an entire pitcher of Sam Adams cherry okay, wheat right on my back. That. We were covering like the state <laughs> football t- uh, tournament. So, Bruno, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate anytime, it. Yeah, yeah, this was cool. Uh, enjoy uh, being back here tomorrow as the head man. Are you wearing your Cabernet Merlot? I brought suit? it just for you. Did, are, are you really wearing yeah, it tomorrow? Yeah, no way. Yeah. Wow. I wasn't, but I said, you know what, Mike? Yeah. That is awesome. I'm so excited. Bruno, uh, thanks a lot. And here's a word from one of our sponsors. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, thanks to Andrew Burnett for joining Straight from the Source. Always just a fun, fun time to talk to Andrew. Uh, Just one of the great, great people in this sport. And this sport is not just about great hockey players and great coaches and great scouts and great managers. Um, and great staff, especially the unsung heroes behind uh, the, the the scenes, but just great, great personalities. And Bruno and that booming laugh, he's just one of the great personalities in the sport. It's just awesome to see him doing well uh, in South Florida. Um, podcast throughout our, our uh, athletic platform, as you know, um, I happen to join Ian Mendez and co-host Julian McKenzie this week. On uh, Monday's Athletic Hockey Show, Jacob Truba, the New York Rangers, is Craig Custance and Sean Gentili's guest on the Athletic Hockey Show on Tuesday and the Athletic Hockey Show Wednesday with Jesse Granger and Sarah Sivian welcomes our sports, our NHL business writer, Sean Shapiro, to the roundtable this week. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a rating and review and right now get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Talk to you next week, everybody.